Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. America. I am not a number. I am a free man. Wiggins America. The only thing I'm going to need from you guys right now is a cup of coffee. Wiggins. Today's global economy waits for no man. America. Today's global business climate is like, whatever, dude. Politics is a dirty game. I'm not sure we want to play. There are forces here at work that you couldn't possibly understand. You have no idea how high up this goes. Welcome to Wiggins America. Follow him on Twitter at Radio Wiggins. Hey, coming up in this hour, E.V. Osment from the Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America organization is coming on to talk about some of the responses that our major politicians have been giving on the issue of abortion. I've been saying that this is going to be a central issue in 2024 not because voters are thinking about it that much, but because the powers that be are going to force you to think about it that much because they think it's a winning issue for Democrats. So we're going to talk to her a little bit about Kamala Harris's response to the question of when should abortion be illegal, past what week? If you didn't know, she didn't answer that question, and she was in friendly media territory and just couldn't do it. And they asked her again. She wouldn't answer the question. She just kept saying talking points that sounded terrible. Um, also Trump is talking about this issue and you know, what's weird is that <laughs> they didn't mean to get into this now. We're gonna get into this later, but just, just to put a bow on it, there's these long interviews that these politicians will do and they'll talk about all kinds of issues that you may not even know that they're talking about because you don't have time to sit there and watch and listen to every single interview that happens. I'm in the industry, this industry, and I don't even have time to listen to every single interview. But the only things that make it out of the interview are what people want to get out of the interview. And so far, especially with Kamala and Trump in the last week, that's been abortion. So we are going to talk about those things with Evie Osment, and that is coming up in this hour. Before we get there, though, let's talk about climate change. Have you ever wondered what exactly is going on with the science of climate change? Because you don't ever hear anything other than what the company line is, what they tell you that you need to hear. You're not allowed to dissent 
in that area of science, which means it's not actually science. You know, if there is no dissent, then it's not science. But if you've ever wondered not only what is going on with that issue and what the actual science is, but how to respond when you get into a discussion about it, if you get into a discussion about it, stick around. I'm going to walk you through this investigation by Real Clear Investigations into people who have been dissenting on this issue. And then I'm going to give you a very, very quick answer you can give anytime somebody brings this question up or this issue up and says, Every scientist agrees, you know, which isn't even true, but that's not the point. Let me get to the article and then I'll give you that one sentence you can ask. Okay. So as the Biden administration and governments worldwide make massive commitments to rapidly decarbonize the global economy, the persistent effort to silence climate change skeptics is intensifying as if you didn't think it could get any more intense and the critics keep pushing back. Good for them. The amazing thing about this, after reading it, is that these aren't necessarily conservatives. These are scientists. This summer, the International Monetary Fund summarily canceled a presentation by John Clauser, a Nobel Prize-winning physicist who publicly disavows the existence of a climate crisis. The head of the nonprofit with which Clauser is affiliated, the CO2 Coalition, has said he and other members have been delisted from LinkedIn for their dissident views. Meanwhile, a top academic journal retracted published research doubting a climate emergency after negative coverage in legacy media. The move was decried by another prominent climate dissenter, Roger Pielke Jr., as one of the most egregious failures of scientific publishing that I have seen. Criticism muffled because the academics say he has been blocked on Twitter, which is now X, by reporters on the climate beat. The climate dissenters are pressing their case as President Biden, UN officials, and climate action advocates in media and academia argue that the quote-unquote settled science demands a wholesale societal transformation. And that's the point of it, by the way, is that they're trying to change all of the systems that exist right now, and they're using that to do it. And if anybody dissents, well, then that's in their way. That means having U.S. carbon emissions by 2020 or 2035 and achieving net zero emissions by 2050 to stave off the existential threat of human-induced climate change. Man, there's a whole lot of things that I want to say about this, but I'm trying to stick to the article because I want to keep this short, and I want to get to the point, which is how do you combat these issues? Uh, Among the arguments for some, and by the way, the article goes on to express that just because you're a dissenter on these topics, that doesn't mean all the dissenters agree either. They just disagree with what's happening in, I, I guess you'd call it mainstream science, that you're basically forced to say and believe and only publish certain things. Now, they want may want to publish things that disagree with each other. But what they all have in common is that they disagree with the official narrative. But that's that's science. I mean, that's the definition of figuring these things out. They go from hypothesis to theory to law. And until it's law, you debate it. And it is hard to make something scientific law. Because even that sometimes will get debated down the road. But among the arguments of these people, I'm just going to read them real quick, bullet points. 
the the dissenters in general will say that one, there is no climate crisis or existential threat as expressed in catastrophic predictions by activists in the media and academia. As global temperatures gradually increase, human societies will need to make adjustments, if that indeed happens, in the coming century, just as societies have adapted to earlier climate changes. By and large, humans cannot control the climate, which Pielke, among others, describes as the fanciful idea that emissions are a disaster control knob. Okay, that's one point. Number two, global temperatures are increasing incrementally and have been for centuries, but the degree of human influence is uncertain or negligible. Climate skeptics themselves don't agree on how much humans are contributing to global warming by burning fossil fuels and how much is caused by natural variability from things like El Nino and other cycles that can take centuries to play out. Number three. Rapidly replacing fossil fuels with renewables and electricity by mid-century would be economically risky. We're experiencing that right now, by the way. You want to know one of the reasons why everything's so expensive? Because they've cut oil production. And hey, if you don't like oil, that's fine. But we got to wean ourselves off of it. We can't just cut it off. Otherwise, everything skyrockets. That's what is happening now. Uh, Some say mitigation decrees, such as phasing out the combustion engine and banning gas stoves, are not likely to prevent climate change because humans play such a minor role in global climate trends. Number four, the global political push to kill the fossil fuel industry to get to net zero and carbon neutrality by 2050, as advocated by the UN and the Biden administration, will erase millions of jobs. We've already seen this. It's not theoretical. And raise energy costs. Number five. Despite the common refrain in the media, there is no evidence that a gradually warming planet is affecting the frequency or intensity of hurricanes, storms, droughts, rainfall, or other weather events. Last one. Climate science has been hijacked and politicized by activists, creating a culture of self-censorship that's enforced by a code of silence that is mafia-esque at best. So you know all of these things already. Um, it's just nice to hear them summarized by somebody like Real Clear Investigations, which does a great job. Um, but if you've been waiting for me to explain that one sentence, here it is. If you get into a conversation with somebody, whether it's in person or online, and they start citing climate science, ask them to cite a study. If they're already citing a study, that's even better. But usually they don't do that. They just say, well, everybody agrees. You don't have to say any of this stuff. You don't have to say, well, everybody agrees isn't an argument. Just ask them, please cite what you're saying. Because if you're talking about science, please cite it. Okay, great. If they're already citing something, even easier. You say, who funded that? That's the big question. Easiest cut to the chase argument stopper is who funded it? Because according to the former head of the Weather Channel who has just recently passed away, he said that climate science is almost entirely funded by the government, NOAA. And anything that they fund, they're going to demand a certain outcome for because of everything that I just talked about in this segment. So if it comes from the NOAA or the government in general, you're already going to be, you have a predetermined outcome. 
So usually people can't answer that question and it kills the argument because they don't actually know what they're talking about. But if they do and they cite that it's a government-funded thing, you can say, well, government-funded projects have a predetermined outcome. It's a very, very easy argument. And there are people saying this all over, and God bless them because it's got to be tough to be in that industry. If you are in the, the weather-slash-climate industry and you don't say this stuff regularly, you are blackballed. You're basically thrown out of the industry. So it creates a monolith that is hard to fight back against because it's big, it's very powerful, and it's well-funded. You, you being alone <clears throat> without the backing of the government funding, which is huge, or institutions, is very, very difficult to combat. And that is the nature of corrupt systems. They don't allow dissent. Sound familiar? All right. Like I said, we are going to talk to Evie Osment coming up in just a couple minutes in this hour. So stick around. More Wiggins America. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Well, I've been saying it for over a year that abortion is going to be one of the main issues for this presidential cycle. Regardless of whether it is number one on your mind or not, the media is going to make this an issue because they think it's good for Democrats. Uh, I have on the phone with me right now Evie Osmond from the Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America organization. Evie, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me, Ryan. And I could not agree with you more, and not just the media, but the Democrats. I mean, the Biden administration has already said that abortion is going to be top, top concerns for their campaign. Well, that's interesting because I didn't know they had said that. I was, I've been saying it because I thought, well, this is what they're going to do, but they're openly saying it, I guess. Oh, yeah, they are. And, and they definitely are doing it, A, because they think it galvanizes their base, but also because they know the media will run cover for them, not press them and have to answer any questions about clarity on where they stand on abortion limits. 
which is exactly why you're here this weekend, is to talk about this interview that Kamala Harris did. I want to talk about the Trump one, too, in a minute. But Kamala mm-hmm. Harris, last week, she was on CBS's Face the Nation. She would not answer. And this is friendly territory for her. Like, this is should, should be a slam dunk. Yeah. She would not answer a question on what week, when any limit might be added to the abortion question. I've got to tell you, I can't believe it. I started looking into this and digging in deeper a few months ago because I started to notice, like you were saying, that we couldn't see any top-level Democrats that would list a single week or limit that they would put on abortion. And I can confirm, after months of looking, I am in search of a top-level Democrat, senator, you know, or Biden, anyone who can say what week they would limit abortion to. And when they get asked, just like Kamala Harris, uh, just like we saw with Jen Psaki on her show, Biden's press secretaries, they will not say a single limit or week. Um, And so they're trying to play it both ways, right? They're trying to say, oh, uh, you know, no one supports all trimester abortions, yet they refuse to list any limits. Yeah, the only thing, and you could tell that it was a talking point. I mean, it's obvious. They all do this, but Kamala Harris is so bad at it that you can see it happening in (laughs) real time that when she says, well, I support Roe versus Wade, and and they go, well, what what does that mean? And she says, well, mm-hmm. I mean, I I support returning Roe versus Wade. It was like she didn't even know what that meant. Yeah, Ryan, they say that, but look, let's look at their actions. I mean, they're pushing Kamala Harris included. They're pushing the Women's Health Protection Act, which goes further than Roe ever did. Sure, it says viability, but the difference is it lists no limitations on viability. It provides no definition. And in fact, it says the abortion provider gets to decide when and at what time. I mean, they're getting directly, they're directly profiting. Why why would they have any incentive to not uh, to put any limits on it. Yeah, exactly. Eva Osmond on the phone with us. She is Vice President of Communications at the Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America organization. Uh, that's one of those issues that has come up recently, and I think it's beyond just the Twitter sphere. I think this one has actually cracked through, because this is press secretaries, former Obama people saying, uh, you know, that, that doesn't really happen. We we know that that's a right-wing talking point that they want abortions, or that Democrats want abortions right up until birth, but, but that is a fact. That's actually what they do want. Yeah, Ryan, you're right. And see, this is what I'm talking about. They try to have it both ways. They won't limit it. They don't want to regulate it, you know, at all. But they want to say, oh, it doesn't exist at all. Complete lie. And I will give you data points from their own people. Pro-abortion, former Planned Parenthood uh, research wing, Guttmacher data, shows that there's 63,000 abortions after 15 weeks. Yeah, and and Evie, I'm I'm standing here. I'm interviewing you from a place where that the the battle that has happened since Roe versus Wade has really really magnified because I'm standing in St. Louis, Missouri, but I live across the river in Illinois. I mean, you talk mm-hmm. about two different states and the way they've handled this issue. Uh, I, I'm amazed at how much Illinois has taken off any restrictions that they might have been interested in having and just said, you know what, let's go full-on abortion. It's not just uh, rare and safe and legal. It is we love abortion and we want to bring it to everybody possible. We want to add abortions. We want as many abortions possible. We want mobile clinics, everything possible to get people abortions. Well, you know, I think one of the things that we're seeing is this really, really insidious lie from the media especially which is abortions only happen to save the life of the mother that is not true at all 
at all. In fact, it's under 1% of those cases. And what we are seeing is that they're pushing that narrative when, in fact, technically, actually, pro-abortion and pro-lifers both agree that the vast majority of abortions, and particularly late-term abortions, happen for non-emergency reasons. Evie, I want to ask you about the Trump interview, which I hopefully that you've seen because it was kind of making news. Um, mm-hmm. He's he's supposed to. <laughs> I, it depends on where you're at on Trump. You know, did he make controversial comments or did he make smart comments? It, it all depends on how you already feel about him. Um, <clears throat> but he said things like, you know what, we need to come to a compromise with Democrats on this issue and try to find a week that we can all agree. And he was citing some real polls, real numbers of Democrats who, when you ask them, they actually do want some limits on abortion. Where do you, where does you, where do you stand? I mean, where does your organization stand on coming to a compromise like that? Right. Well, I, what Trump really does well, Ryan, is he really paints the picture of what late-term abortion in America is and looks like. We saw that on the debate stage with Hillary Clinton when he confronted her about her policies on late-term abortion. And I mean, Americans really started to understand what that was like. But we are in a post-Row America now. And what we are seeing, you mentioned this earlier, is that Democrats are pushing to federally go further than Roe. So what we really need right now is clarity from everyone, both sides, on where they stand and how they're going to combat the federal push from Democrats uh, in Congress on this. And and we welcome Mr. Trump uh, and former President Trump to provide that clarity. Yeah, I'm looking at some of the, uh, the points, the bullet points on this federal act that the Biden administration is trying to get through. They won't with the Republican Congress right now, but this is what they are saying is that uh, this Women's Health Protection Act, it does things like bans elective uh, or it removes the bans on elective abortion after 20 weeks, uh, bans on the use of abortion as a method of sex selection. I mean, this is mm-hmm. stuff that you were, mm-hmm. you compare it to these dictatorships, these awful countries like China and North Korea. This is the stuff that happens there, not here. Well, Ryan, it's interesting you should mention that. Your audience doesn't know this about me. I actually grew up overseas in Taiwan, so I had a I had a, um, you know, front row view of what a country looks like when it embraces abortion like China, like mainland China. And it is awful. It is awful what it does to the country. Like you said, sex selective abortions at that time when I was growing up, the preference was for males. And so females were targeted in the womb for abortion. In fact, they had to take away uh, ultrasounds for a time because they didn't want the parents to know if it was a baby girl or else they would abort her. I mean, it's just not this is not what we want for America. Americans are compassionate people. You know, I mean, they want to offer moms and babies life solutions and support. We don't want to do what the pro-abortion side is offering, which is only death and dead ends. Yeah, that's that's what's amazing. That's what's lost in this whole conversation is that uh, America really is a compassionate country. And when it comes down to it, we just want the best for everybody. And that's that's the argument behind the pro-life movement is that we got to have compassion and defend the little bitty people who can't defend themselves yet. Let me ask you before we run out of time here, Evie, uh, by the way, Evie Osment, president or vice president of communications at Susan B. Anthony, uh, Pro-Life America, on the phone with us. What is the um, what is the consensus? Because we're talking about a, a political issue here. Obviously, it's a moral issue, mm-hmm. but it translates into a whole lot of politics, as we know. Um, it is now a state's issue. 
So what is the what do you recommend? You know, what is the strategy that states should be taking right now, whether you live in a blue state, a swing state, a red state? I mean, how do you approach this thing? Yeah, well, I mean, look, every state now that that we are in this post-Roe society and because thanks to the Dobbs decision, it puts it back in the the hands of the people through their elected uh, state and federal officials. And so this is why it's so wonderful over the last year, and Ryan, you will never hear this from corporate media, 25 states have put pro-life protections. That's half the country that has pro-life protections to protect babies um, 12 weeks and and under in the womb, and millions of dollars in funding going to help moms, to serve moms and support babies. So yes, every state needs to continue to do that, but we also need to have a strategy. The Democrats are not waiting to push federal um, to codify and make it go beyond Roe federally. And in fact, something your viewer, your listeners might not realize is that they're also doing mail order abortions to pro-life states. They're not respecting pro-life state laws at all. And in fact, also the VA clinics where they're doing and performing abortions across the country. So, look, we've got to really come to a national consensus here. We look at poll after poll and Americans say seven out of 10 that they want a national limit, at least by the time that doctors are using anesthesia, when babies can feel pain in the womb. Can we not all agree on that? At the very least, we should not accept the Democrat position of every state should go up to birth with abortions. So, yeah, a national limit. I'm glad to hear you say that because I think that there there are a lot of people who are reluctant, and I've been kind of in this camp, that that they're reluctant to take a national approach to this and say, no, no, it really should be by the states. But that that's a that's a nice view when the Democrats aren't trying to push anything at the national level. They are. Right, exactly. So you have yeah. to do something at the national level, even if it is some sort of compromise plan that you can get through just so that you don't have absolute chaos on this issue and find some common ground, even with a, a lot of Democrat voters, like you said. Yeah, I mean, why should we accept their premise of having to go all the way up to the ninth month? I mean, that is not... That is not the compassionate America that we are. Yeah, exactly. Well, Evie, I thank you so much for your time. Love your organization and uh, wish you all the best. Thank you so much. We will be right back with more Wiggins America. Stick around. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Just so you know, Haley Joel Osment does have a sister. Yeah? You talk to her? No. No. What I did just find out, though, Uh is that Evie Osment Uh of Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America not related to Haley Joel. No, really? Yeah. Yeah. I I know. I I wanted to set the record straight because I know that I had told you when I booked that interview, oh my gosh, this is Haley Joel Osment's sister. You talked about it for a week. You you were wandering around the office going, I'm going to talk to Haley Joel Osment's sister. (laughs) I told Mark Cox, who said, isn't that like a conflict of interest for her? And I thought, why would you assume that Haley Joel Osment is liberal? And ultimately... I'm not going to say Mark was right. It was just that I was wrong. Uh, <laughs> uh, she has 
zero relation to Haley Joel Osment. Can you please explain to me how you felt so confident in telling everybody you were going to talk to Haley Joel Osment's sister? Yeah, and I, I, I bring this up because I genuinely did talk to all of you and say, can you believe this? This is Haley Joel Osment's sister before that interview. Uh-huh. And then in the, the break there, right before you came in and when we were done with the interview, I mentioned it to her and she said, no. <laughs> <laughs> Like a, like a complete idiot. Hey, at least I waited till the interview was done. You did a really nice job of prepping for that interview. <laughs> I did. I thought the interview was great. Mm-hmm. She is no relation to child star Haley Joel Osment. <laughs> Why did okay. you think she was? Because when I got her little press sheet that I used to kind of screen guests, as as you do, it has her picture on it. And so I looked up her background because I had heard of Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America before, but I wanted to look them up to make sure that they were not like an organization that I would disagree with. Nope, they're legit. They're totally legit. Doing great work. So when I did and was doing kind of like reconnaissance to make sure I was doing a little bit of background at least, I mean, not that you can know everything about a guest, but just a little bit enough, uh, I saw her picture and then her last name is Osment, Evie Osment. And so when I looked her up specifically, a bunch of pictures came up of Haley Joel Osment with his actual sister. And they look identical and they have the last name. So give me a break a little bit. I mean, that's that's not outside the realm of possibility, right? Mm-hmm. I look... I looked up Haley Joel Osment's actual sister, and I still thought it was her. Did does Haley Joel Osment's actual sister have the same name? That's that's difficult. No, you don't know because you didn't look it up. This could be Donnie Osmond's daughter. It could be Marie's niece. It, or it could just be Evie Osmond from the Susan B. Anthony Foundation. I think that we've clarified this enough. That you did not, <laughs> did not Google. <laughs> well, a whole lot I've saved right for the end of the show here. We chalked it full. We're going to backload the show because this is going to be a fun segment. Not really politics related, though. It is actually related to a whole bunch of rock stuff. And at the very end, I'm going to play that old sketch I made out of the Republican their convention. That's what it's called. Hey, thank you. Thank you. It's called the convention, the Republican National Convention. When they do that, and they did it in 2020... So I edited this thing together, and I'm going to play it at the end. I, I don't know why I never use it. I think people went, what the heck are you doing? And it never got played, so I'll, I'll do that, apropos of nothing. But that song that we're just playing there, Nirvana, Oh Me, little history on that. I do believe that's the only time that they ever played that song, but it's an iconic version of the song. Of course, that comes from the 1994 Unplugged in New York session that became a very, very famous album after Kurt Cobain died. And I I would say probably for my generation, every single person who's in the age range of maybe 45 through 35 has probably heard that song. And I would say the vast majority of people even outside of that age range are very familiar with that song. I tested it earlier in the week on Mark Cox just to see. He's, he's about 10 years, maybe 15 years older than I am. I said, do you know this song? And he said, no, he, he didn't. But he also admitted that anything passed when he was in high school and college, he said he just doesn't even know at all. So he said, I'm not really a great you know, candidate for uh, a, a focus group, 
but he didn't know it. So I'm, I'm taking that into consideration here. When I say Nirvana's Oh Me, uh, a lot of people are going to know that song. I would say the majority of people do. But have you ever heard the original version of Oh Me? Now, if you're familiar with the album, he says, Kurt Cobain says several times, oh, this is a Meat Puppet song. And they do, I think they did three or four Meat Puppet songs, Lake of Fire, On a Plane or Plateau, um, that one, Oh Me, and uh, one that was like an old Christian hymn that I can't remember the name of. They did at least three songs that were Meat Puppet songs. And I grew up listening to the Nirvana CD. But I never looked into who the meat puppets were, and I realized recently, oh, back then we didn't have the internet the same way as we do now, and now I'm kind of revisiting the album lately, been playing a little bit on the show here and there, and I realized I still didn't know who the meat puppets were, so I looked them up, and the first song I looked up was Oh Me. So that's why I played it at the beginning of the segment here, so you could hear the the Nirvana song, the more famous version of the song, but I, I grabbed what it sounds like in the original because that's a very beautiful song it's a very thoughtful song and i thought man even nirvana didn't really nail it i mean he's off key a few times and it's live so i thought a recorded version of that song would be really good so i bet the meat puppets version is really really good and and they executed it well Little did I know what I was getting into. So what I'm going to play here is maybe 30 seconds, 45 seconds of the Meat Puppets version of Oh Me. Check this out. If I had to lose a mile, if I had to touch feelings, I would lose my soul the way have to do it the results are always perfect but that's old news would you like to hear my voice sprinkled with emotion <laughs> what is happening I'm not going to subject you to much more of that. I could not believe how bad that was. I I couldn't. <laughs> I can't believe that I've been listening to the Nirvana version of, of that song my whole life and that that's what inspired it. I was so keyed up to hear something really good. And that's what it was. I hadn't even tried to listen to Lake of Fire or on a plane. I, I just, I can't even do it. If that one was that bad, that's what inspired Nirvana. How about that? Now, said this was going to be chock full of rock information. A little less politics here to end the show with. So uh, I, I do want to share this story. And I shared this on Andy Fry's show a couple weeks ago. But I didn't get to dive in as deeply as I wanted to. Deeply as I wanted to. It says, a computer model. This is a real story. Computer model has reconstructed a snippet of a Pink Floyd song by reading the brain activity of people listening to the tune. Now, I'll try to recreate what they're saying in very, very scientific detail here. But basically, they had 29 people with epilepsy who already had electrodes planted in their brains to help control the epilepsy in a somewhat newer technology uh, anyway. But they said, well, since they're already 
uh, equipped with this technology and they all needed the same type of surgery, I guess, while they're in surgery, we will monitor their brain activity with those electrodes and then play another brick in the wall by Pink Floyd the whole time. They're going to play, they play number one. Oh, so it's, it, there's three versions of another brick in the wall. They played another brick in the wall, part one. And if you are familiar with the song, you will know it sounds like this. All was just a brick in the wall. Now that's just a clip of the song, but they were playing the whole song the whole time these 29 patients were in surgery. And they would just play it over and over and over to where the people would, they probably already knew the song, uh, but they would definitely know the song by the end of who lo however long they were in surgery. But then at the very end of the surgery, they would just pull out that 15 second clip and play nothing. And so they would monitor their brain activity and how their brain was filling in the gap of a song that they had been listening to, listening to, listening to. And they listened to the brain waves without the song. So this is just their brain waves communicating this back to the computer. Check out what this sounds like. So that's, the, that's essentially their brain singing back the song and communicating that back to the computer with no song. So they, that's their, that, it's, it's incredible. They're, that's their brain creating the song from memory while the surgery was happening. That's just 15 seconds they tried to do. I thought that was incredibly cool. And then I saw that somebody else tried to do a similar experiment. Basically what they're trying to do is get it to where you can monitor your thoughts to a recording device if you want to. Now that's scary because then you start going, well, how are they, they going to use this negatively? How are they going to use this for evil? You know, they started monitoring your thoughts. Uh, that's definitely 1984 stuff. But if it's voluntary, it's super cool because how many times have you woken up in the middle of the night and said, oh, that was a really good idea. And then you completely forget it. You could monitor your dreams. You could see what you've been dreaming about. I think that's super cool if used voluntarily i could see also how it would be used for evil but this other story tried to do a similar thing to that i guess two different teams working on the same type of thing at the same time it says we might be soon be able to record the tunes we hear in our dreams thanks to a system that's underdeveloped this uh system relies on lucid dreaming so the last one was while patients were in surgery this is training people to know when they're dreaming to be able to fill in the gaps for another song with this one they did queen's uh we will rock you now just i'm just gonna warn you here just the same way as when you heard nirvana's version of oh me and you went oh that's a nice song and then you heard the meat puppets version you went what the heck is happening here you hear the team that did the pink floyd song and you go wow that's, that's pretty amazing technology then you hear what the queen team did and it's it's maybe a meat puppets version of the same technology. Here it is.
That's it. <laughs> That's all they were able to do. <laughs> I read that one and was like, oh, this is a new one. And then heard the audio and went, oh, okay. So the way they're doing it is they're trying to train you to be able to know when you're dreaming, to move your muscles with the beat to recreate a song. So that's basically people dreaming and then kind of like squeezing their muscles in a certain way to hit the We Will Rock You beats. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a few miles behind the Pink Floyd version. All right, that's it for this week. Like I said, we're going to play this little bit at the end here that I made. This was from the 2020 Republican National Convention that they air on TV. Democrats do one, too. This was Kim Reynolds, the governor of the governor of Iowa, did this long, nice speech about President Trump in 2020. Well, I took it and made it into something else. I'm Kim Reynolds, governor of the great state of Iowa. It's the birthplace of the computer. It destroyed homes, wrecked lives, and left devastation in its wake. That happened just two weeks ago. The computer wiped out millions of acres of crops, left thousands without power, and later that week in Iowa, the computer breached nearly every levee and devastated communities, large and small, from the sick farmer who can't harvest his crops to the single mom who loses her job and is struggling to get back on her feet. The computer rips through almost the entire state. Now, you might not know that because the national media didn't report it. As I like to say, in Iowa, the computer is in our DNA. The computer is in our DNA. The computer is in our DNA. And that's exactly why we need to reelect President Donald J. Trump. Get more at 971talk.com. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.